0: Well, thanks again, Ben, for reading that. Thank you, Penny, for reading. That was great. I uh, believe Penny is probably now available for renting out uh, all Christmas events, Christmas Eve parties uh, to come read. Man, that was I love that. That was great. Thank you so much for serving the, the church and the kids this morning. Well, we all know Christmas is just now one day away. Uh, now, by show of hands, by show of hands, and, and kids in here, you can get in on this, because this actually probably is something that's more common with you all anyway, but um, how many of us, by show of hands, have uh, some type of um, a Christmas countdown in your home, like a, like a calendar that's in your home that's counting down the days, or like what we have in our home, we have these like two blocks with numbers on them, we change them each, each morning, it tells us how many days till Christmas. By show of hands, how many of us have something like that in our home? in our office, wherever you may be. We've got some type of calendar. Maybe it's an app, right, that's counting down the days. Well, like I said, Christmas is just one day away now. Why do we know that? Well, because we know that Christmas occurs on the 25th of December. Today's December 24th. Tomorrow's the 25th. December 25th is a date that is, it's certain to come. It is on the calendar. And so there's, there's, Certainty to the reality of Christmas Day. We know it's going to come because we know that, that tomorrow morning, listen, the sun's going to rise. Kids, if you have kids, are going to jump onto mom and dad's bed, even, maybe even before the sun rises, but it's going to be a new day. Christmas is going to come. And so there's certainty to the reality of Christmas Day. We know it's going to come because we know that that tomorrow's a new day. Growing up, when I was a, When I was a kid, um, my least favorite day of the year was December 26th. I hated December 26th. Christmas was over. No more Christmas songs. Christmas movies. All the parties were over. Decorations were going to start coming down soon. Now I have to go back to school, right? In we December 26, you're at the furthest point away from next year's Christmas. And, and so for kids, especially the, the year often revolves around Christmas Day. You know, for my kids, it's their favorite holiday. And yet even when it's over and everyone starts to, to come down from the holiday high, there's still though the certainty, there's still the reality that in about 365 days, we're doing this all over again. Well, why? Because again, the day is set. It's certain. And and so even if it seems further away, there's still going to be that anticipation. There's still going to be that joy. um, There's still going to be that hope that builds throughout the year as that day draws closer and closer. And as the day gets closer, the more our lives, if you noticed, in the last month maybe even, just begin to shift in preparation for it. There's the planning, there's all the events that we attend, there's the parties that we're hosting, the gifts that we purchase. If your, if your home is anything like, like our home, then your family calendar over the past month is reflecting really only one thing, that Christmas is coming. Right? All the things that we need to do and all the things that, places and events that we need to attend this Christmas season. Our lives begin to reflect this one singular event on the calendar. In fact, it could even be said that maybe for the last month or so, for many of us in here, our lives have been shaped by it. They've been formed by it. For us as Christ followers, our lives should reflect a, a certain fixed reality. Not only should our lives be shaped by the, by the first advent of Christ, which we're about to celebrate and remember tomorrow morning, but... But the first advent of Jesus also points us to a future advent of Jesus, his return. These are the two key events that we find ourselves living between. The coming of Jesus into this world, so God made flesh to to dwell among us, our Emmanuel, a name which means God with us, and so we're living between that event and the return of Jesus for his church. And our lives in between these two events should be shaped by this. The incarnation of Christ and the the promise of his return are what our lives should revolve around and reflect with this eager hope and anticipation. Over the past three weeks, we've we've looked at the, the fullness of the incarnation, God becoming flesh and blood and living among us. Week one of of Advent season, we looked at the necessity of of Christ's arrival, this this idea that Christ must come. And and so then we looked at the the second week of the the certainty of Christ's arrival, meaning Christ, he will come. Last week, we looked at, at, at the reality of Christ's arrival. Christ has come. So three key words of the past three weeks, must, will, has The totality of Jesus' life, the fullness of it, his humble birth, his sinless life, his sacrificial death, his miraculous resurrection, and even today, as you heard read in the text, his majestic exaltation all point to one final glorious hope, one final glorious event, an event which should shape our lives, an event that is certain his future return. Just as Christ has come, Christ is is coming again. The fullness of Christ's incarnation and the promise of his future return, I would argue this morning from the text, demands two responses. Two responses. Our witness and our watchfulness. Two points today. We're gonna go through these quickly this morning. Two points today from our text, two responses to the first advent of Christ and the second advent, his return. Response number one is we witness, we witness. Or another way to say it or, or write it down or to think about this is that Christ's incarnation demands our proclamation. So look at the text in Acts chapter one. Just, just so we're all on the same page, what we're seeing here at the beginning of the book of Acts is Jesus after his resurrection gathering his disciples and he's giving them uh, these final instructions before he's going back to God the Father. So that's where we pick it up in verse six. It says, so when they had come together, and again, that's Jesus and his disciples, they asked him, his disciples asked Jesus, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, "It it is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my, here's that key word, witnesses. In Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so the disciples, um, in, in asking this question of Jesus, they're showing that they, they still had a, a narrow view of God's kingdom. Now what they were asking wasn't, wasn't sinful, it just wasn't complete. They're wanting to know, uh, okay, Jesus, is, is now the time of your reign and your rule over Israel? You're, you, we've seen this now. You're the fulfillment of biblical prophecy. We've now been with you the last several years. We've seen you perform miracle after miracle. We've now seen you over the last 40-ish uh, uh, days. We saw you put to death. And we saw you now raised back to life. We're literally talking with you now face to face. And, and in their minds, they're thinking, surely this is now when you're going to free Israel from our oppressors. And you're going to set up your reign. This has got to be the time. That's what they're asking. Now, their thinking was, was too small. It was too limited, too, too narrow. They weren't, they weren't thinking yet globally. They weren't thinking about Jesus' reign, not just over Israel, but over all nations. That, that this gospel, this good news of, of Jesus' life, death, resurrection, it's, it's going to be a message that's going to go out to all people, not just Israel, all people, every tribe, every language, every nation. They were more focused still in this moment on the here and the now, more focused on themselves, more focused on their specific situation, what they were facing. And so what's Jesus do as he always does? He, he takes his guys and he opens up their eyes just a little bit bigger. No guys, let's see something bigger, something more grand. He says, don't worry guys about, about, about things that aren't your concern. Your role Guys, it's not to know God's plan for his reign and his kingdom. Your, your role is not to know the, the timing of it all. That's his business. That's his responsibility. That's his authority and his alone. But he looks at him and says, here's what your responsibility is. You're to be my witnesses. What you're to concern yourself with, what your mind and life is to be shaped by from this point forward is the proclamation of my incarnation, Go tell about my birth, my life, my death, my resurrection, my exaltation. Go speak of it. Go tell of it and tell of it beyond Jerusalem, beyond Judea. Go to Samaria, a people that were despised by the Jewish people. They need to hear this. Go and be my witnesses, guys, to the ends of the earth. This message of the gospel is a global message. And praise God that they listened and obeyed. And how do we know that they did? Because we're sitting here today. We're sitting here today because they listened to what Jesus told them to do. We're worshiping Jesus this morning. Normal Illinois is a pretty far distance from Jerusalem. I looked it up. It's over 6,300 miles away. And yet here we are this morning praising the name of Jesus. What are we doing tomorrow? We're celebrating his birth How did this come to be? 2,000 years removed from the life of Jesus on earth, thousands of miles away from the location where where these events happened, it's because they were witnesses and they went to the ends of the earth. This Christmas season is not just a, a time to remember and to reflect. We do so. But Christmas is a time to proclaim. Christmas is a time to speak of who Jesus is, of what he has done. The charge to Jesus' disciples in Acts 1 is a charge to all disciples of Jesus. We witness, we proclaim in our city, we go in our region, in our nation, we go to the ends of the earth, and we do so out of a joy and out of, out of a delight to spread this news. Because we're natural storytellers. We, are, we love to share what we delight in. Think about it like this. All right, so kids, I know you don't want to think about this just yet, but I know, I know Christmas break just started. But on your first day back to school, after Christmas break, when you see all of your friends again in just a couple weeks, what are you going to talk about in that first day back? Right? What's going to be one of the first things that you're going to be sharing with your friends if you haven't seen them for the last couple of weeks? You're going to start talking immediately. Here's what we did over Christmas break. Here's where you went. Here's who you saw. Here's what gifts you got. The fun you had, you're going, it's just gonna be natural. It's gonna come out and you're gonna share with your friends all of the joy, everything that your heart delights in over the next 24 hours, over the next couple of weeks even. You're gonna share those things and your friends are gonna share their stories with you. We're natural storytellers and we get excited about and we love to share with others what brings us joy. And what brings us joy is what's going to get talked about and shared with others and inviting others into the joy that we're experiencing. Uh, when we got my, my daughter, Stella, a, a puppy uh, a couple Christmases ago, two years ago, uh, nobody had to force her uh, that morning, that day, over the next couple of days, to, to tell people what she got. Most of her friends knew that morning because they were already like texting her on Facebook or on uh, FaceTime. They were showing videos, everything. It like naturally spread very quickly. It was the first thing out of her mouth to everyone that she met and that she saw because she delighted in that. Church, we are witnesses of the birth, life, death, resurrection, and exaltation of Jesus through the witness of these disciples, through his word. Does Jesus fill your heart with joy? Tell of it, speak of it, sing of it. This is what the world needs to hear. I love, I love how uh, this author, Nathan Guy, he recently wrote of the meaning and the hope that Jesus brings to a world that's desperate for it. He, he wrote this. He said, in a world of fading dreams and plastic people, we long for something real. In a world of atrocities and injustice, we long for fairness. In a world of fairy tales and lies, we long for truth In a world of glamorizing, senseless activities, we long for meaning. He says, what an opportunity we have to tell our neighbors that Jesus Christ provides the answer to the deepest longings of their heart. This is the hope of the gospel. This is the message of Christmas. God became flesh. God came to us because we could not go to him. There was no amount of of effort, no amount of religious works. There's no amount of any, any good things we could conjure up or do within ourselves that could curry favor, earn us acceptance with our creator, with our God. And so what's God do? I'm coming to you. He comes in the person of Jesus Christ. He lives a sinless life. Dies on a cross. Takes our sins upon himself. Raises from the grave in victory. And so that through faith in Jesus, in Jesus alone, we find hope. We find salvation. We are accepted before God the Father. No longer are we under condemnation. We are set free. This is the message of Christmas. Go proclaim this. Fill this let your heart be filled with joy over this message of what he has done. Our first response to the fullness of Christ's incarnation is that we, our witnesses, Christ's incarnation demands our proclamation. Secondly, the second response is we watch. We watch. Or another way to say it or to think about it or to write it down is that Christ's ascension points to his future descension. Look at, look at the remainder of the text that's before us this morning. Verses 9 through 11 says that when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up. And, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who is taken up from you into heaven, there's the ascension will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. There's his future descension. We're living between these two key events in history, the first coming of Jesus and the second coming. How we live during these days and in these days matters. This moment right here with Jesus and his disciples is remarkable. They're seeing and witnessing the exaltation of Jesus above all heaven and above all earth. He was lifted up. Look at the language. A cloud took him out of of, of their sight. These are pictures of Christ's glory, his kingship, his exaltation. He is the king of kings and lord of lords. And now we live with this eager anticipation of his future descension when he will return. We are to be watchful for it. Now, we need to understand, though, what it means to be watchful. What's it mean to be watchful? See, being watchful doesn't mean we no longer live life. It doesn't mean we, know, we just stand and stare up into the heavens all day long, all night long, looking for the return of Jesus, that we shirk all our responsibilities, that we do nothing, we don't care for him. we just, no, I'm being watchful, I gotta wait. Is it now, is it now? That's not what being watchful means, I would argue I would argue that being watchful means that we live with, with hope, that we live in such a way and, and a biblical hope is how we define it here. is as a confident anticipation of a certain future reality. That's a biblical hope. Biblical hope is not wishful thinking. No, it's a, it's a certain, it's a confident anticipation and something that is certain to come. That's biblical hope. And so being watchful means that we live intentionally and with purpose And and that purpose is the glory of God's name being exalted over all the earth. That changes how we live. It changes how we think, how we work. It changes how we spend. It changes how we parent and how we study, how we play, how we rest. Every aspect of our life is affected by this if we're watchful for the return of Christ. No longer is our career the, the end goal in life. No longer is money the thing that ultimately drives us. No longer is parenting the ultimate aim in our lives. No, instead all of those good things come under the weight of God's glory and the lordship of Christ. And so we work, but we work to the glory of God's name. We parent, but we parent to the glory of God's name. We see money as, 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 as nothing but a tool to reflect the glory of God's name. And this reality, when we are set free from, from thinking that the, the material things in this earth are ultimate, when we're set free from that, man, it is liberating. As much fun, as much fun as tomorrow will be for so many of us in here. The, the opening of presents, the acquiring of more stuff in our homes. We, we all know, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm saying it will be fun and enjoy it. This is not saying you shouldn't, like, enjoy it. Like as much fun as it will be, but here's what we know. We all know that, that all the gifts that will bring us such delight and joy tomorrow, a week from now, they're already gonna lose their luster and their shine. We're already, a week from now, gonna start growing bored. We're gonna be so excited about tomorrow. Am I right? Like, like, anybody in here feel the same level? Any kids in here feel the same level of excitement that you felt on Christmas Day last year? No, you're already done with that stuff, right? That's junk now. What's new? Right? That's, that's what happens. That's what happens when we set, though, our affections on the things of this earth, right? It, it, it gives us a, a temporary high, and then, man, it quickly dissipates, and we're on to the next. And, and so when we are set free from that, when our hearts, though, are fixed on, on Christ, his glory, his reign, his rule, when we live a life that's watchful and with purpose and intentionality, when he is uppermost in our thoughts and everything in this world just draws our thoughts and our affections and our emotions towards him, then we can enjoy the things in this world, but we don't have to look to them to give us the meaning and hope that we're looking for. Let them be what they are. They're good things, but they're not ultimate things. I believe this is what it means to be watchful. We're living Under the expectation of Christ's return. And we long for that day. And we live with that day in mind. As I close, I I touched on this at the beginning this morning. Certain events though in our lives shape and form how we live. For so many in here, like I said, your life over the last month or so has been shaped and formed with Christmas in mind. So so everything on your calendar is reflected that. Your your bank account, your credit card statements are reflecting that reality. Your your home is reflecting that reality. Maybe what you've been listening to or reading or watching is reflecting that reality. Christmas is coming. And and as Christ followers, our, our lives are called to reflect Jesus, his first advent, and the expectation of his second And so may this Christmas season be one that which takes us back to the birth, his sinless life, his death, his resurrection, his exaltation, but but may this Christmas season also point us forward, point us forward to the great day when our king returns. May our lives be shaped by that. What joy there is in in that hope. Song we'll sing this morning, Joy to the World, says this, it's a song that actually looks toward the future return of Christ. We sing it around Christmas, but it's really a song that points us forward to to the return and the reign of Christ. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare. Let every heart prepare him room. And heaven and nature sing the glory for great God and king spread to the ends of the earth. What a beautiful season this is to reflect and remember. So Merry Christmas everyone, Merry Christmas Eve everyone, but let's remember this and reflect on this. God, we come to you this morning thanking you for your grace, your mercy, which you have lavished upon us. Thanking you that you are a God who is good, who is majestic, who is glorious, a God who loves us, who has loved us in such a way that you came to this earth. You have loved us in such a way that, that John three sixteen says that you gave your son for us, who are we? Who are we that you would give us your son? This, this does not exalt us as if we were deserving. It exalts you as one who is giving and loving. And so tune our hearts to, to, to sing your praise. May we live in such a way that, that remembers the first advent, the incarnation of Christ, but also may we live in such a way. May our lives be shaped and formed in such a way that is set on the certain return of Christ for his people. Father, may we be witnesses of this truth. May we, may we take this message to the ends of the earth because this is a message that needs to be heard, needs to be proclaimed.